No prompt, just... All right, here we go. All right, so welcome to the podcast. So in this one, we're going to be talking about uh, a very important part of our economy and the world as a whole, money. Uh, fiat currency, commodity currency, or commodity... Money, yeah. yeah. Um, And just the way in which uh, people exchange goods through currency. So, uh, one thing I was reading about, you know, I keep on getting ads on YouTube for this, is Forex. Right, Forex. So, you know, I don't know how much you know about it, but from what I've seen, it's basically you're trading currencies with the intention of trying to make a profit like so like it's, it's essentially I, I know a little bit about this because I, I did some did some online research a few years back um, about how basically you buy you buy a bunch of currency let's say the pound um, yeah. well, actually it's better use the, the the yen Japanese yen um, which has a very it's a very weak currency right now so if you were to buy a bunch of yen and then their economy were to boost up mm-hmm. um, and improve then their money is now worth more in relation to to yeah. another currency, yeah. and then which you would buy and then exchange them, and you you'd make extra dollars um, so in your you're, dollar. You're looking for like you're looking for economies instead of stocks. Yeah, which I think is a really interesting concept. Like, imagine, and I think there's got to be some insight. I'm sure this happened, where someone working at the UN or the you know World Bank, International Monetary Fund. Because uh, a couple of years back, they gave a ton of money to Greece to like kickstart their economy. Yeah, we did that a lot. We, we did do that a lot. Uh, we did like multiple packages because the first one like didn't work, and they were like, "All right, round two, give them more money." Right. Uh, if you knew that they were going to do that, the value of the currency obviously went up tremendously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure there's got to be some sort of insider trading stuff that goes on with uh, people. The like politicians specifically. Yeah, like insider knowledge on like how because. That can dramatically impact an economy. I think certain trade deals could too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but normally, the trade deal normally trade deals that are like not made public information and then are like released to the public are normally more negative ones. So I'm, I there's got to be a way to short like a currency. Yeah, no. But because uh, you can, if I'm sure there's some way you can do it. Because there's people who've made like unofficial stock type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this ties into our last episode about the stock market. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, you know, people, I see people on YouTube where it's like, I'm a, you know, Forex, like, billionaire. I yeah. Mean, I made $10 million off of this. But what I don't get is it doesn't seem like the, like, margins you're making are that, like, substantial. Like, there's no economy that within a year, within two years, is going to see, like, a 20, 30% jump, like, with a... Uh, with like you know the stock market, right? Because it's in relation to the U.S. dollar, which is rising in the U.S. dollar mm. rising in value. And if another currency is rising in value, they could both be growing economies, but you'll break even because it's like because the stock market, it's like it goes up ten percent, done. Your money is up ten percent. Right. With this one, uh, another currency could increase its value by eight percent. But if the U.S. dollar increases by twelve percent, you're actually losing money on that. Right. Which I think makes it like riskier. But also, that's why I was seeing all the stuff like with the recession we're going to be going into pretty soon. We are in a recession. We are in a recession. Well, I mean, the 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 government the government wants says it. we're not in a recession. But every indicator. Every single ever, indicator. Yeah. Every like economist out there is saying we're in a recession. Uh, except there was one major bank that just came out and was like. 
We're not. We're fine. Uh, he's, he's like, they're like, well, I think we're fine until around 2024. We're, we're, there's no recession here. Impossible. Um, I think, well, first off, um, there's an, there's kind of like, how do I explain this? Like, um, subcategories of Forex trading. I remember there was this guy um, who he, he owned a bunch of Bitcoin and, and he wanted to sell, wanted to liquefy the Bitcoin, yeah. but he couldn't do it in America, or you couldn't do it, you couldn't do it over normal reasons, so he would fly to some form, I think it was either China or, or Japan, and he'd, and he'd sell them there, and yeah. then, and then rebuy them at, at the yen currency, and then go back to America and sell them for the yen currency, and he'd make money off of that, yeah. and then, so it's like, it's like an, it's like an forex trading with extra steps, um, but this, I, I think, I think they went with the, uh, I think they went with the, like, you know, the yen, because Japan is such a stable economy, it historically has had it. Depends uh, on the timing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're, they're in a, they're in a current period of... Of stability. You go back, like, 20, 30 years, not so much. Yeah. Didn't they, they had, like, a pretty significant recession in the 90s, right? They had a really bad housing crisis, I believe. Yeah. That, yeah, it's fine. They've had, um, like, what was that, and then, uh... The other countries, South Korea too. They're in the like seventies and eighties when like most like of, of like America, Europe is like prospering. Yeah, I mean, well, the it South is. Korean government is. I mean, yeah, its uh, economy is. Uh, it's not propped up, but it's 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 largely held up by like three or four like major companies. I think it's like Samsung, yeah. like the Samsung, um, the they're like the family that owns Samsung. They're like royalty essentially like they're yeah. they're 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 like prince and, and princesses and uh if 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 samsung goes down south korea's economy goes down yeah it's so because a lot of the companies are kind of uh like compliments to samsung itself where pretty much every single major cor uh, company down there that isn't samsung directly is like oh we do the processes for Samsung. yeah exactly we so this is this vertical integration they pretty much have vertical like, integration right now it's monopoly yeah. um, but this 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 whole concept of forex trading and, and um, money in general is is in our current modern society it revolves around fiat currency and to define that is the um, it's it's money that is backed essentially by the faith of the people and the government that it has value. Not that it actually is. So if you if you're trading diamonds, that wouldn't be fiat currency. That would be a commodity. Um, that would be a, 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 a object that it that intrinsically has value outside of its ability to be traded. Yeah. The dollar, the yen, coins in general. Well, I guess low a, low quality a, yeah, coins. coins can, but if you take a, a diamond, they go to any place on the planet. You got money. Yeah. You got money. Yeah. yeah. I could. I would take that and give you a product. If I went to any other. If I went to like. Let's say I'm going to Egypt and I have my I have a diamond. They'll accept that. I could pay for a dinner with a diamond if I wanted to. Right. I couldn't bring US dollars in and say, here you go, because it has no value to them. And I think another problem that comes with fiat money is uh, that the idea of the faith of the people mm -hmm. where this our entire like economy, our entire nation, our entire world pretty much at this point is backed on the idea that you know we're assuming that other countries understand that even though our money isn't backed by anything 
that it still has value. We're kind of trusting them to believe that, which I think is kind of harmful because you've seen there's been a massive increase in spending since we decided to go off that gold standard. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. reasons why we went off it at the time were fine because we likely wouldn't have gotten out of the Great Depression in the way that we did uh, if we hadn't gone off the gold standard because FDR going off the gold standard allowed him to print more money, which stimulated the major banks, allowed him to do things like uh, the work, the Public Works Act, which allowed uh, a lot of Americans to go back into the workforce, which I think was ultimately a net positive. But I think in the long run, there have been some problems that have come from uh, us going off the gold standard and just hoping that other people trust our word for it. Because, I mean, if, if you know, eventually we print too much money and then so, because we're absurdly in debt right now, uh, and there's really no way that we're going to get out of it in the foreseeable future without either somehow resetting the debt, which... People have said, "Oh, they're going to do the great reset. They're going to reset the debt." Which I don't. Well, there's there's the debt. Well, there's 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 two problems that we have with debt. We have the one, the budget deficit debt, yes. where we can't spend. We have to loan to spend money, and then we hit a cap in which how much we can spend, and then we can no longer spend enough. And then every year we, um, we have to vote on one rather to to raise the debt ceiling so we can loan to spend more, um, which puts us further into debt. Yeah. Um, and, and there was an idea, I think it was last year, uh, when we hit it, uh, to, to mint like a trillion dollar coin that would go into, it wouldn't go into circulation, it would go like immediately into the debt, just straight into the debt, and just alleviate the debt ceiling and also the debt that we actually owe. Um, but the, the gold standard concept is really interesting because you know it, we as as america have a ton of gold yeah. we have a ton of unmined gold easily i mean i think i think the most gold prosperous country is probably some central african or south african country but yeah. um but in terms of like gold in relation to, to the other superpowers to china to russia we have we have an immense amount of gold uh, that will that will never be you know, never be taken or never be tried in the way that, and it, it's 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 not as not as flexible as the way that the American the American dollar can be can be influenced by foreign nations. Um, but uh, honestly, the the biggest problem with fiat money in general is its is its easy accumulation. The way in which you can store it and hold it very simply because of because of its, its its inability to be to be distributed uh, eventually distributed through taxes or through um, trickle down economics yeah. or whatever. however you would like to would like to redistribute it throughout the masses it just ends up not being because you can hoard so much of it so easily and especially now that everything's online it's it's I mean you're you're creating money government and the Fed create money instantly with the, with the, the press of a button and then it just yeah. Really just ends up I mean, it's in not its pocket. Pr- it's not even printing money. Like, yeah, it's just it's, it's tell like a bank like yo, we have no problem if you put like another billion dollars onto your balance sheet. We have no yeah. problem with that. If you do that, we're not going to come after you. It's yours. Take it. And you yeah, can do that because that bank could give that money out to the people, so eventually would redistribute it, or they can loan that money out 
you know, compounds all that stuff. So another thing, kind of going off of Forex, similar to trading, uh, crypto. Crypto. Cryptocurrencies. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts on cryptocurrency are, uh, it's currently, I mean, I, I really like the concept of the decentral, like, decentralized kind of currency. currency. Yeah. You know, it's it's not, it's, it's you you can't mess with it as much, mm-hmm. or as as easily as you can with you know the Fed instantly creating money, um, and you can't, you you just can't do a lot of, of it. It doesn't allow for a lot of the major drawbacks of, of our current currency system. Yeah. Uh, however, right now it's it's mostly scams and rug pulls and really a lot of there's a, there's a lot of odd things. It's it, it's 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 as if it's it's uh, unmatured. Yeah. Unrefined. It's not the ready. The funding is definitely there. There's definitely a lot of funding for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the interest, I think, is there too. The public, you know, I think the people generally like the concept of decentralized currency, where the government can't really track what you're doing. They have no jurisdiction over your purchases, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I think the people generally enjoy. Uh, as an investment, it's very, very volatile. Yeah. Like immensely volatile and. I think the government's going to try to do whatever they can to stop it, to be perfectly honest with you, because there's no, there's no benefit to the government using Bitcoin. Yeah, because it's not the U.S. dollar. It's not if, the U.S. dollar. If they stop using the U.S. dollar, then the U.S. government has tax. no money. <laughs> because <laughs> no the reason one would force why anything. can like, tax certain things is because they see uh, it's their jurisdiction, their money, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, that's actually how, like... I mean, I guess that was the original way that, that the U.S. dollar had value was that the, the U.S. government would only accept your taxes to be paid in the U.S. dollar. You'd be yeah. paid in the U.S. dollar, and then, you're ta- and then you'd pay taxes in the U.S. dollar. If you tried to pay taxes on anything else, they would you know, come and knock your door down. So yeah. that, that's, it, it, it is faith in – it has faith. like the, it, has, it is value from the faith of the people, but it's also that it's – they only accept the U.S. dollar as, 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 as valuable. Yeah. So There's a lot of interesting stuff. With uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff when it comes to you know the faith of the people in terms of like crypto too, because with this there's like a finite amount of Bitcoin out there. Right. Like there's gonna be a point where there's just well there's never gonna be a point where they run out of Bitcoin because what they do is uh, after a certain amount of time they determine that. Whatever, uh, and it's, it's, I think it's gonna happen like twenty twenty four based on like current like uh, trend lines. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, and I think it just naturally happens. It's not like a like oh it's you know fate, the Bitcoin man is gonna come out and be like oh it's gotta happen now. Uh, what'll happen is the mining rigs like the Bitcoin mining rigs are going to become half as powerful as they were before where it becomes twice as hard now to mine one Bitcoin. Mm. And, you know, back, you go back, you know, six, seven years, if you had a Bitcoin miner that was able to mine this cri- a cryptocurrency like that, it was huge. It you, was like, you'd be the only one doing it. You, yeah, there, were the people, there weren't many people doing it, and the people who were doing it were making a ton of money off of it. 
because it was powerful enough to. The main thing that uh, is happening now with like not Bitcoin yet, but there are certain cryptocurrencies where the cost of mining it is greater than the actual worth of the coin. Where like let's say I'm mining, I don't know, Litecoin, one hundred Litecoins, mm. and let's say that is valued at seventy dollars. Right. It would cost eighty dollars for the electricity. Yeah, and not to mention the rig. Not to mention the rig too. Um, I think also governments are starting to crack down on Bitcoin mining. Not really within the U.S., but I've seen a lot in uh, China. China's been cracking down pretty heavily. Where uh, there, there's scenes of like these crypto mining rigs, and you have uh, them taking like, take, like steamrollers, mm. just crushing all this stuff. That's it's gotta be it's gotta be propaganda. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I don't know. And then like. It's the same thing where I'll see people, like, 20 of them, like, all meeting up in a room, and then they're like, like, three, two, one, sell, and they just sell, and, like, the price drops, like, a Oh, that's just the other rug pulls. Because they do. I, I don't know the exact numbers, uh, but I know China owns, like, a pretty significant amount of, uh, of Bitcoin, right? The government itself, or the people in China? I decide the people. I, I'm sure they do. I mean... I can't imagine China not not being, you know, one of the top contenders with like new technology and, and stuff like that. Um, I really interestingly, the um, another I guess and it's not a cryptocurrency, it's it's more I guess commodity money. The um that stuff that they found on the moon, like when was this? Uh, a few months ago. I read a newspaper article on it. I, I asked you about it. Um, the Oh, it was. It was. Uh, it was it's, it's a specific kind of. Was of it like lithium. Yeah, it's like. Kind of lithium. Okay, so I'm back with the China stuff. Okay, right. so they're saying there's four mining groups in China that control over fifty percent of the Bitcoin. Jesus. That these they like banded together, or I don't know if it means they okay because it says twenty two percent of the Bitcoin mining market is owned by China and apparently there's just like large groups that come together and fund like a hundred thousand dollars in mining technology and then just like produce a ton of stuff that's a, that's a ridiculous amount yeah well I mean it was also by uh, up the US took over in okay. oh it was it was helium 3 that's what it was um Basically, hearing helium through it's like it's not. A, it's, I don't think it's a new mineral, mineral, but no, it's um. Is it like an isotope of helium? It's like natural. It doesn't occur naturally very often. It, it occurs in very limited amounts, but using like even a tiny bit of it, you can, um. You can create like like the the nuclear. You can use it as nuclear fusion fuel, and you can basically just like it's basically unlimited energy. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a potential form of. What is essentially limitless power, um, if you if you use uh, like literally like like the width of a human hair, yeah. kind of amount, um, and China, while they're not like likely to to <laughs> to steal the moon, um, they they have they've they've gotten um, somewhat of a head start on on mining it yeah. on the moon, which is hilarious. All right, here we go on the Bitcoin holders, so... Bitcoin holders, okay. 
Uh, this is the list of people over $1 billion worth of stuff. Uh, companies, MicroStrategy, Block.1, and Grayscale all have a pretty significant amount of it. Uh, oh, here we go. Governments. Uh, un an unknown government. Unknown source currently has 80,000 Bitcoin. 80? Well, you also hear like stories about like dudes who had like Bitcoin on like hard drives and mm -hmm. then they just misplaced it like 10 years ago. The US Department of Justice isn't public, but they apparently have a lot of it. Okay. Uh, Binance has a ton. And then here we go. Individuals. All of them are unknown entities, except the Winklevoss twins. Uh, those are the people from uh, the social network. Yeah. The, uh, the two guys who were like, hey, I need to apparently came up with an idea for Facebook or something similar to Facebook, and then uh, they took over. Those guys made it, made it own like 70,000 Bitcoin. And then coming at the top, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, who is apparently the like inventor of Bitcoin. Yeah. Inventor, inventor in, yeah, Bitcoin, in, in quotes. Uh, with 1.1 million Bitcoin, which is valued at around $23 billion. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's like... That's, a, that's an insane amount of money for yeah. their, for that, like, for like, it, it's literally just, it, its existence is just that much. I, yeah, I gotta see how much, much Bitcoin is in circulation. Because I don't think there's like, uh, 90.3 million. So, uh, how it, how they did it when they first organized it is... You know, 19, so 19.3 is currently in the supply, right? Yeah. That means you can actively trade it. It doesn't need to be mined. Uh, the limit that they set when they started it was 21 billion. So okay. what that basically means is that once, uh, as you get closer and closer to that $21 million uh, million Bitcoin limit, it's gonna get harder and harder to actually mine them like it'll take mm -hmm. more time, more processing power, stuff like that. Which so, is why there were so many. That's why it was so easily mined in the beginning because there was such yeah. an abundant amount. So um, that's why it like probably isn't going to reach uh, that point. To explain uh, really quickly for the the podcast, um, Bitcoin is the way it is mined is um, it exists as kind of like a mathematical equation that, that creates certain outputs and you use supercomputers or rigs as, as we're calling them um, informally to mine these these outputs and see if you find the correct um, output that is, is you know it's, it's it's a small chance that you that you that you find it and there's a smaller chance that you that, that it is created but once it is found than the I think it's the time that it takes the money spent mining it and the the, the like the the rareness of it and the the, the low availability of them um, increases its value so the essentially the the less that there are the, the more that it's going to be worth which is why um, and and the the existence of Bitcoin is is only it only exists as long as someone owns it, I believe. So yeah. when someone sells um, or, or creates, you know, makes their their assets liquid, the Bitcoins then become again able to be mined in the outputs of, of 
of whatever uh, program or, or equation is, is outputting them, yeah. which then creates uh, you know the ability for the value to go up, and then people sell, and then there's more of them, and then people get more, and then the value goes down, and blah, 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 endless cycle. Um, but it's not as, hypothetically, theoretically, it's not as volatile as the, um, the uh, I guess, the potential for vol volatility that U.S. or that the fiat currencies have in general. But, I mean... I guess we're only speaking from like a Western perspective because yeah. we, I don't know about the Asian currencies as much. The other main thing with it is that uh, the more people own it, the more uh, stable it'll be. So like if yeah. everyone was using Bitcoin, it'd be very stable, but like, and that's why the people who like were the first investors in it had to take like such a large risk because if, if you had like, you know, let's say there's 10,000 people that invest in Bitcoin, a movement of like 500 people could have like a snowball effect that could like take down the entire currency. Or it could like, you know, bring it to a higher level than what we saw before. Uh, so here's the data on halving. So basically, uh, how Bitcoin mining works is like, you complete a block, which is like an algorithm type thing. And when that happens, uh, when you when you complete a block, you get a certain amount of Bitcoin, right? So like saying 2009, if you did it, you got uh, 50 Bitcoin per block you completed. But what happens is every, uh, what is it? 200, 210,000 blocks you mine, uh, you you get half as many as you would before. It's like every four years this happens or so. Uh, I think the next one's gonna happen in 2024 or 2025-ish, uh, which is gonna cause massive volatility in the stock or in the crypto. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so right now for every block you mine, you get 6.25 Bitcoin. Uh, four years ago for every block you'd mine, you'd get 12.5 Bitcoin. So it's because of that, you know, shift in time, and it's gonna continue to get lower and lower. That's why I don't think we're ever gonna reach that uh, twenty-one million dollar mark or million Bitcoin mark because uh, eventually it'll reach a point where you're getting so little Bitcoin for mining that it just isn't worth it. Uh, granted, the increase in processing power and how quickly we can go through these equations has also changed. It also has kind of exponentially uh, grown. So when you have the, you know, the downward shift in how much you get from mining, it could almost balance out with the increase in processing power that uh, you saw between you know 2009 when people started mining and today. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the the cap at 21 uh, million like supply is. It, it, yeah, it's unlikely to hit that. I mean, and even if it does hit that, um, what's what's basically going to happen is that um, the the mining fees will like poof away. Um, they'll they'll disappear after the, after the supply reaches that amount. So uh, you you can only earn, earn income from like the transaction process, the transaction like processing fees rather than a combination of of block rewards. And transaction fees. So it is, there's 
less money to be made, and that's going to be uh, that's going to be kind of detrimental to to Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is is not is not you know it's not permanent. It's not it's not what anyone is is um, anyone like realistically is advocating for it to be our new currency. But the uh, the concept of a of something like Bitcoin, current cryptocurrency, um, is is definitely a real possibility in the future. Unless, of course, it gets uh, squashed under the uh, current governments. Which I think you're going to have one country. This one, this spikes out. For some oh, really? like, Yeah, that's why I kind of moved to the center. Uh, so I think, I think it, what you're going to have to see is a major country going ahead and uh, kind of going all in on Bitcoin. Uh, doing something like that before other countries do it like I know Ecuador uh, so the president or it might be I think it's president of Ecuador uh, is this like podcast guy what? it's kind of like it's how uh, finance, bro. It's, it's like if Joe Rogan like won the US presidency where it was like kind of this like out there like wacky uh, wacky politician or political dude uh, and he won the presidency and he made Bitcoin an official currency in Ecuador, which was like a huge like m- like move up. And apparently, he put like twenty percent of their treasury into Bitcoin, and then Bitcoin dropped by like a pretty significant amount that year. So I think he's still in office. Uh, they haven't had a re-election yet, though. So we'll have to see if he wins or not. But it was definitely a major thing where people were really excited by the fact that. Uh, like I'm pretty sure when they had the like Miss Universe thing or whatever, uh, Ecuador's like person was like dressed like a Bitcoin. Like I'm pretty sure that's a real thing that happened. Their leader is going like all in right now. Like Ecuador president. Let's see. Who is it? Uh, Bitcoin man. Because another thing that I noticed, <laughs> El Salvador's. Or oh, it, sorry, it's El Salvador. Okay. Uh, president, that's the guy. Yeah, he would go on like press conferences and had like a hat on. The guy was super laid back. Uh. Yeah, and apparently he's like a really like risky investor. And uh. And has made decisions that have lost the country like billions of dollars. But he's going like he all in. That's kind of like his. That was his big rise to fame within the Latin American political sphere. Was he was the first person to be very, uh, very anti, or very pro crypto. He's like, I would assume his politics are more like libertarianish. Uh. Here it is. Anti-establishment warrior. Sacked judges. Exited a regional anti-corruption pact. Wait, he, he got rid of an anti-corruption pact? I guess so. Great. Awesome. That's always nice. Uh, spurned the International Monetary Fund and adopted Bitcoin as a legal tender. Wow, this is a... Uh... What? Dang, okay. So his uh, approval rating is actually above eighty five percent. It's because he's taking down so many um, gang affiliates. I've heard that's that's why they like him is that uh they kind of ignore the Bitcoin stuff, 
And then, uh, yeah, everyone's pretty much calling it a failure. They were like, the Bitcoin thing was a failure. They lost a ton of money. They've spent more than a hundred million U.S. dollars buying bitcoins, and they're now worth less than fifty bill, fifty million. So there goes like, if you're an El Salvadorian, I'm sure you're really pumped about the stuff you seen with the gang wars. But at the same time, like having just sixty trillion dollars or sixty million dollars just disappear, I don't think it would make any of them happy. Yeah, I mean it's a smaller economy and it's a smaller, smaller GDP. Yeah, for sure. It's us. It's like us losing that. Like, uh, was it like three point one trillion on nine, ten, two thousand? Okay, we're gonna go into the conspiracy okay, stuff anyway, now. Okay. Anyway. 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 Right. I. Um, the. What were we? Should go back to. Should go back to money. Should go back to money. Money. Well, I mean, this is this is like a pretty important. This is like a big thing in the in the money sphere and like crypto. Was, oh, crypto. Yeah, I mean, but I mean specifically getting away from uh, like countries. Countries. Yeah. The historical uh, actions of countries regarding money. Uh, let's talk about moneyless society, like a society where there's just no money. What would that look like? I have actually no idea. I I I partake in very little research regarding moneyless society. Money. I mean, moneyless society can only be possible if I mean, obviously, scarcity can't exist. I mean, not obviously, but it it, it can exist to a large degree. I mean, in in our current society, let's say hunger. Hunger exists, but it's it's artificial. Like we every day, it's like hundreds of millions of pounds of food get thrown out at, at the at, at five p.m. because Dunkin' Donuts made too many made too many donuts and, yeah, and they, they had to throw them away. And if they gave them to people, they gave them to the homeless and the, and the needy, then it, it would uh, lower the value of them. So they they have to they have to burn them and dispose of them. So and we've been doing that forever, though. You know, we've we've always been getting rid of uh, crops and food. Um, to keep the to keep the price of it and the, the value of it stable, yeah. which is unfortunate, um, and then that's definitely speaks volumes about about our our uh, you know our objectives um, in our in our societies is to to feed the needy, to clothe, feed, and educate the needy, or to protect uh, profit margins, and uh, we know which one um, we will always choose or what ends up being chosen for us, but I think a moneyless society would honestly be be it would be grounded in I, I guess uh, what's it called a uh, a uh, what's it a favor I'm gonna call it a favor economy mm-hmm. in which people you know I babysit your kids you go to the make pencils or something or yeah. design shoes and then and then it's like bartering, yeah, bartering. And then you come home, and I and I get a and I get a meal or something. I don't know. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. I, I honestly I don't put much uh, much stock in it. It's more that um, people who advocate for moneyless societies are not advocating for the the uh, legitimacy and, and practicality of them as much as they are advocating for the um, the like the the bringing down the the structures that, that currently oppress us. Which is including the government, and because the government prints money, there will be no more money. Yeah. Um, and because the government no longer exists, there'll be no one backing the the, the money. So the money just disappears, um, and be and ceases to become of value. I mean, when we lived, you know, humans lived without money for forever. But um, 
we also live in like pretty basic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I don't, I don't see, um, I, I don't see a, a society in which. Yeah, as long as there's away. like, as long as humans have needs, which I think is you know, going to happen forever, and there's a reason to like, because let's say I own a farm, where I'm back. This is like you know five thousand BC. Yeah. I'm in Mesopotamia. I've got my little farm. Yeah, and. I'm completely self-sufficient. I don't need anyone else. I just have my farm. I have livestock. I have a means to make food. I have things to build with. In theory, I'd be completely self-sufficient. There's no reason for me to reach out to anyone else. But, you know, that's not how our world works. Like, you need money because you need to interact with other people. If you were, like, stranded on an island, your money has no value. If you were living uh, completely alone, off the grid, your money has no value. You'd be looking at things that have intrinsic value instead. But I think, um, you know, because everyone has needs, you know, I need food, right? I don't have a farm in my backyard. I don't have livestock. I need to go someplace to get food. Money is required. And, you know, I, I don't think, I think we're not going to get rid of money, but I could see money adapting into some, like, cryptocurrency. Uh, but I don't, I think that's still a while out. I think our money, the U.S. dollar is going to be around. Whether it's as valuable as it is right now or not, I, I don't see the U.S. dollar going anywhere in terms of, like, its power and its influence on our world. The... The the way in which I mean I've I've done zero moneyless society, it's a money moneyless society podcast, yeah. Um, but I've you know I've done no research on this topic, honestly, because it doesn't it doesn't interest me that much. Um, but what Google says is, um, I guess a very simple example is of a moneyless society would be would be a, the uh, the family household in which people do they they do the dishes they do they take out the trash. Um, I mean, you know, some people get allowances, but excluding the, the concept of allowance, yeah, um, the, the people people do things for one another because they need to be done, and and they, these things get done, you know, with they just they just need to be done, and eventually, not eventually, but they, someone is going to do them yeah. to support the community and to support the family, um, laundry, dishes, uh, trash, etc. But that's all like, I don't know. It, it's very that seems small, small scale to me, and it seems almost utopian, um, and I'm not. I'm not very big on utopian um, societies, as they they seem to be um, utopian. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's no real optimistic to like, because I think any that that's the problem that I have with a lot of theories regarding money is like they're too optimal. It assumes too many things are gonna be right, uh, which I think you know. It's tough because you kind of have to make those assumptions in order to come to a conclusion. You can't just... Because you look at any theory deep enough and you're going to find problems. Yeah. Uh, that's just how they work. There's no perfect solution to anything, really. Uh, which is why I think, you know, when when talking about, like, a moneyless society or anything like that, you have to consider that there's still, like, that means that everyone is totally fine with it. And that, you know, there's no, like, greed, nothing like that. 
uh, no matter the case, there's going to be some people who try to get more out of it than others. Uh, even if that means it ruins, it makes most people like less better off than they were before. If they can get some advantage out of it, they will. Which I think is the problem that ultimately comes with a moneyless society is that the same problems that they see in current money is just going to appear if even if there is no money. It's not going to change human nature. It's just going to change how we express it, I guess. I think the human nature argument is, is, is interesting. I mean, like, right now our, our current system rewards, essentially it rewards and incentivizes greed and, and that, that, that way of thinking, the, um, the grind, hustle culture kind of um, borderline sociopathic behavior, you know, non, non-empathetic behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think in a, in, if society hadn't, you know, if history hadn't played out like it did, instead... Um, did not develop into the late stage capitalist era that, we, that we're currently experiencing. I think it. I think it might have ended up with people not thinking in that in that manner, and, and that that human nature changes depending on the historical context. Is some things are some things are 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 natural, right? And we consider some things to be natural. And it used to be that you know the the divine right of kings. You know, kings are. They're just here. They're, yeah. Their kings are around, and and we're peasants, and we're not gonna. They're kings. That's it's just. It's always been this way, you know. It's it's human nature. And it always it. has to continue. Yeah, and it, it's human nature for it to be this way. We're peasants. They're kings. That's just how it works. And that obviously doesn't exist anymore because the way in which people think about human nature, the way in which in which the economic system incentivizes empathy, or incentivizes compassion, or incentivizes greed and selfishness, changes. And we got the latter. We got uh, we got the short end of the sh- of the stick, and now we've we've ended up with this, where where people have, have almost delusioned themselves into thinking that it's okay to 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 hoard this much. I mean, if a if a monkey were to to go around and collect all the bananas and and, and hoard them uh, in in one specific area and, and defend that area and and like not allow any other monkeys in that area, yeah. Um, you know, we as as researchers would be like, "The hell's wrong with that monkey? Yeah. The things the things messed up. It is. It's not. It's not obeying the natural laws of, of of sharing and allowing allowing the communities to thrive. So, in that sense, it seems that we we've deviated from from human nature to to help, and instead we've created a, an artificial human nature to take. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's, it's this system. In, in in this system, human nature is one hundred percent selfishness. One hundred percent. It's de- it definitely is because it's it's incentivized. It's it's if you're not going to be selfish and greedy, then you're going to lose. You're not going to be because able to someone else is going to be sh- exactly. Selfish. exactly. If it's basically like if you don't act, it's going to happen. Gonna it's going to happen regardless. You just should, you should try to be on the uh, upper hand of that situation. Yeah. But in a different economic system or in a different line of thinking by the people, it wouldn't be that. That, that you'd lose out if you didn't take everything. It would be that someone would, someone else would be able to benefit from you not taking. You can, everyone can bring it up instead of just you know. I I win. Everyone else loses. Everyone else wins, but not at the same extent. Right, and not at the same extent. But as long as there's enough, and and, and you know, especially food wise, definitely enough food. Which I I think is an interesting argument in terms of like. And it's kind of very broad, like, capitalism versus socialism type stuff. Right. Where people are like, 
you know, capitalism is when everyone's like decently well off, but there's certain people that are like r like really really wealthy are having these like great lives, and socialism is where everyone's having a similar life, but they're all like slightly above what it would be in capitalism, and then it's like, because I think the problem is that everyone thinks that they're gonna be that person on top. Yeah, you're trying that 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 point zero zero one percent is it's so unattainable. I mean, it's, it's not even like it's not even realistic. It's luck. That's what it is. <laughs> you can be the hardest working, smartest person out there, but it's like it'll just be like luck, like meeting the right person, getting the right opportunity. Um, especially like you know, and you see this on a on a smaller scale as well. You go to a company, and you you might you might be the one that's doing all the work. That's literally doing you know eighty five ninety percent of the work. And you're paid the same as everyone else who's doing who's doing nothing. And I mean, how this would change, I guess, under socialism would be that th there would be no there would be no need to work for anyone to work nearly as much as, as they as they would be because the odds that you're working in an industry that benefits anyone is, is is low. And then the only the only labor that would really be required is the labor of the and the necessities of the people. And I guess whatever else we deem necessities. I mean, TVs are considered currently as wants and Netflix subscriptions as wants, but I guess in, in a future society, you might, they might be considered as needs. Again, it's all about the way in which people view the world, the way, the way in which people feel about their relationship to, to the production of goods instead of mm -hmm. the, um, consumption. the consumption yeah. and, and, and expropriation and, and uh, ownership of goods and ownership of the means of production, the ways in which people produce. Yeah, I think one thing that I was reading about was uh, the UBI, the Universal Basic Income. By Andrew Yang or by like, by like regular people? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, Andrew Yang's probably the biggest public proponent right. of it. So I heard about it from him, but I did more research on it. Uh, I think it's an interesting concept. I think... I think Andrew Yang is very out there in his politics. Yeah, Andrew Yang is, yeah. He's very, like, there's, like, you know, people used to say Bernie was, like, very out there, like, unique with his ideas. He, he hasn't, he hasn't, though. Like, historically, even speaking, like, he's, he is, in my opinion, even though he's super left for our American political system, he's, like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, like, just beyond, like, center and just, like, one notch to the left. It's essentially where he is. He's not advocating for, you know, revolution. He's not I think that's what most, like, political experts will say, is that regardless of where you are on the, on the political... Well, I mean, within America, pretty much all major politicians, Democrat or Republican, fall into that same category. Just on the right. Of They're, authoritarian right. Yeah. They uh, have to be. They it, literally yeah, have to it's be. Yeah, it's just the way the U.S. operates, like... You can't really pitch left ideas without being without like the media like shutting you down big time. Like I think, you know, there's people on both sides are saying like, oh, the media is like making the right look evil, and at the same time, it's like the media is also making the like far left like. It, it's it's like, not even it's not even the far left looking evil. It's just entirely, it's it's almost censorship of the far left. You you put them on TV and then you just let people ridicule them and make fun of them. And it's, it's, it's almost better to put these, like, as soon as you can get into people's minds that leftist ideas are, are so just strange, so out there, so crazy, 
um, that, that you can you can put them on TV and have them try to explain their their values and their and their ideas. Um, but the people already have that idea in the yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. Head. I mean, there's there's that, and they just they just they look like they look like lunatics. They look yeah. like crazy people on TV. I, I yeah. think the most like, I think the most impactful like news interview I saw was one from Bernie where he's like, he like just explained what his actual beliefs are, mm. and it was so different from what like other people were like saying about it. Yeah. Where he'd be like, I just want like, I think that people should be able to go to college and not be in debt for like the yeah, rest of their exactly, life. Exactly. Exactly. And that healthcare shouldn't he because he isn't even like full free healthcare. He's like, like government subsidized healthcare. I mean that that's part of the um. I mean he's been he's been in politics for so long. I'm sure yeah. he understands the uh, that he's he's saying this stuff is a compromise. You know he's not like yeah. I, I mean, mean if, if he could if he could make it free. I'm sure he would make it free. Yeah, I think I think the whole free college thing is going to be a massive talking point in the 2024. It used to be free. It used to be. It was free up till 66. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think all college was free. In America, in California, it was. In California, it was yes. The UCs were free, and then uh, because Reagan was governor of California during that time, and he didn't like that the colleges were like the number one spot for anti-Vietnam War protests. Berkeley so then, specifically. Berkeley, yeah, yeah Berkeley yeah, specifically. And then he decided that college should no longer be, UCs should no longer be free for California residents. And because of that, uh, because of the Vietnam War protest, he was like, no more free college for you, and we never went back since. And there's an important, um, to quote Reagan, um, he was trying to get rid of the, the undesirables of, uh, of college campuses. I mean, the anti-war part, is, is an important issue, but also it was that um, the 60s was the, the civil rights era and, and, and there were more lawsuits coming out, there was more, there was more um, uh, attention being brought to the discrimination, the discrimination of, of people of color not getting into, into colleges and, um, and then the civil rights era and then all of a sudden they, they were getting into higher numbers and then uh, Reagan decided to get rid of the undesirables by making it extremely expensive and Keeping those underprivileged communities, well, underprivileged. Yeah. Um, the other part of this, to bring it back to money, mm-hmm. I had a talking point and I forgot it in that sentence. Um, it's not gonna come back to me. <laughs> Remember how we got to free college? Oh, we we're talking about like Bernie. Oh, Bernie! Oh, there was a Bernie interview I saw. Uh, like last month or something and it was about um, a woman asked him what would you like to be remembered as and um, there was a bunch of other people who she asked and like other other politicians said like strong determined um, the you know like very um, like iron fist yeah and Bernie said uh, compassionate and I think that I think that really, really shows the the amount of the the low percentage of people who are actually representing the people who who are most vulnerable in society. And if it's only Bernie and AOC and maybe a few others, uh, we're probably heading towards uh, something that that's not not great on the political spectrum. Uh, yeah, and it starts with an F, and we all know the word. I, I wouldn't go that far to say that we're he- like directly heading towards that. I think we're slowly descending. It's a slow descent. It's a l- little afterburn. 
I mean, it's a lot after birth. I think soon enough we're gonna reach a point where there's gonna be a massive political shift in one direction or the other. I could see it very well being, you know, the common people are upset. There's a massive voter turnout during one of the elections, and it's like complete Democrat control. And yeah. there's a ton of stuff in that like drastically shifts where America goes. Or I could see it where, you know, the American public is tired with like, you know, the progressive corporations or whatever, stuff like that. Woke America, they're tired of, of that. And then there's this massive Republican turnout in elections. I mean, they were talking about the like the what the red wave or whatever. The red wave, so it didn't happen at all. I, I honestly think it would have happened if it wasn't for the fact that the Republican Party is put split like, in half. Is split in half and then they put out like five like unwinnable like Herschel Walker was never going to win in a million years. Right. right they right. could have done like a billion simulations of it and Herschel Walker would have won like three of them. <laughs> like he, they just put out like all doctor, three of those involved. Doctor Doctor Oz, Carrie uh, Lake was the no. Carrie Lake was the Republican. Uh, yeah, Carrie Lake also unwinnable, is a complete election denier, and it was just such a bad move for them to run these candidates that were just going to lose. Right. Uh, they would have like, considering Biden's approval rating, and considering that it's Democrat controlled. All historical data, all experts were saying it's going to be a Republican win if the Republicans play their cards decently. Like, I think the two major things, one, them running unwinnable candidates, and two, well, it was kind of out of their control, Roe v. Wade getting overturned was, an, was awful for them. Um, yeah. Abortion is such like, you know, within our Congress, it's like 50-50. And which it, is ridiculous. Which, and the public, it's like 80-20. Like an yeah, overwhelming exactly. amount of the public supports abortion and that a woman should be able to have an abortion. But, you know, out of the... Like, they're even within Republicans. It's like, I want to say a majority of... It's like 60% of Republicans support abortion. Mm-hmm. And within the Democrats, it's like 90. Uh, that that That's one referencing the... You know, only um, the easiest way to become a millionaire or to get rich is to become a politician. Yeah. And the politicians represent the the millionaires and not the uh, not the the rest of like the ninety percent of people. But um, it also, if you know the history of, of uh, the the abortion argument, the Republicans used to be largely pro-choice until this guy I can't remember his name wrote a book basically detailing the the, the which groups get abortions if you're a middle to upper middle class white family and your teenager gets uh, either gets another uh, another woman pregnant or your your daughter gets pregnant then the as an as a middle to upper middle class white family you're very likely to get an abortion at the time and you know that's because of rich people essentially understand that that having a child that young um, is detrimental to your to your your future financially. Yeah, and their their most common abortions were from white people. And I mean the the pregnancy, the rate of pregnancy with of teenagers is, is doesn't matter regardless of color. It's the teenagers are, are going to uh, be teenagers. Yeah, but 
um, if, if white people are getting more abortions than people of color, and you know you see um, Hispanic people have, not stereotypically a lot of children, but they, they're less likely to get abortions. And same thing with, um, I, don't, I, I guess not Middle Easterners, but I guess um, Indian people and uh, people of, of, that are coming to America, or, or just people of color, I guess, in, in general, are less likely to get abortions while people, well, white people are more likely, more likely to get them. And, and over time, if white people continued to get abortions at the same rate, the the percentage, the, the the majority of white people that is currently held in this country would begin to diminish, and you would need to, you would need to to save those. Whatever, it was like five hundred to uh, a million white babies every year that were being aborted, um, and you would need to you need to keep those numbers. So, basically, the the Republican Party became massively pro life to protect these these million babies to support this the white supremacy and the white majority in America, which um, I mean that's that was the original like cause of, of this pro life and pro pro choice kind of concept. Um, and there's also like the concept of uh, uh, medical um, medical privacy, you know, like a you, you lose your your medical your yeah. privacy if if you all of a sudden someone thinks that you're pregnant or someone thinks that you had an abortion and they just report you mm -hmm. you get arrested you get tried um, and 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 you have no you have no security or your uh, privacy as an individual and this will extend to um, women getting um, that thing so they don't get pregnant for vasectomy isn't that for men. I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever one makes it, it it's definitely not vasectomy. Yeah, that's for men. Uh, yeah, but men getting vasectomies and women getting sterilized. That's a horrible I, I, way of saying I it. Do I don't know. I can't remember. I, can't, I don't think the. I can't remember the word. But, uh, but making it unable for them to have children, um, because you know it's a pretty common practice. But soon that will be illegal, and then soon men will men and women will still try to get them, and then they'll be tried, and you know someone will report them on suspicion of. And it's it's a whole fiasco, and it's um, so really it's the whole thing is rooted in racism and white and white supremacy, but it's devolved into this this the all encompassing issue of um, medical privacy as long as, as racism. And, yeah, I mean whatever we we've hit the we've hit the time limit. We only talked um, about money for like half of it. Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> off topic very easily. All right, well thank you for everyone for listening us. To us talk about uh, money. Yeah, money. For like 30 minutes and then, you know, talk about. The hell did we talk about? Like everything else. Yeah, everything else. Uh, well, we'll catch you guys in the next episode where we will likely get even more off topic. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.